You're listening to Health Call Live, the area's only live local interactive radio hour devoted to you and your health. Watch the video live stream on the Health Call Facebook page and call us with your questions at 447-1190 or toll free at 800-333-1190. Here's your host, health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Good morning. Great to be back with you again. So glad to have you listening, making us the most listened to radio program on Saturday mornings in the area. That is fantastic. And I really appreciate that. Thank you all so much. You know, this year has been really interesting and there's a big change coming a little bit later on in the year. We don't know exactly when, but we know it's coming that there's going to be a new type of hearing aid device come to the market. It's going to be sold over the counter. You're going to be able to buy it just like any other consumer product. The rules and regulations aren't yet set on exactly what they're going to do, how they're going to perform, how much they're going to cost, any of that kind of thing. But already, manufacturers are trying to get ahead of this thing and taking advantage of it. So you'll see ads online for these hearing devices anywhere from 60, 70 bucks to several hundred dollars. And there's great concern that consumers are being ripped off. You're spending money on something that's not going to solve the problem. And even worse, there are people who are concerned that you're going to buy one of these devices. It's not going to work well. And if you have a hearing loss, you're going to go, well, I tried it. Forget it. I don't want to mess with that anymore. When there are devices out there that can make a significant difference for you. Hearing loss is associated with a number of different conditions, everything from depression to low self-esteem to self-isolation, even advances dementia. So all those people out there in America who suffer hearing loss and aren't doing anything about it, now is going to be a good time to get smart. And that's why I've asked two doctors of audiology to join me today from the Hearing Center. They are Emily Beal. Good morning, Emily. Morning. And Allison Shorjan. Thanks for coming in, Allison. Thanks for having us. We're glad to be back. And I like to point out that Allison knows what she's talking about because she's had hearing loss uh, since childhood and uh, now wears hearing aids and that's what got you into audiology so yes. you know this from the other side so that's Absolutely. great I'm glad to have you here what we don't yet know what these devices are going to be or what's going to happen but the hearing center will offer an over-the-counter product right Yes, the Hearing Center is planning to offer an over-the-counter product um, as long as we can find one that we feel like is going to be appropriate for the patients. Um, I really actually think the over-the-counter hearing aids is a good thing uh, for the consumer in the long run. Uh, it will, I think it will help patients who have a more mild hearing loss where they feel like that cost-benefit ratio of the more expensive devices isn't there. Um, but they are having some trouble and they need some help. Um, and so from that standpoint, I really feel like over-the-counter is a good kind of segue to uh, more professionally fit hearing devices. So uh, with the Hearing Center, I think if we offer those over-the-counter devices, that will be kind of their first stop. And then when they're ready for more professionally fit devices, you know, we're there to help them. We're also there, we will also be there to help with the, that over-the-counter device, um, you know, should they need it. The goal for over-the-counter is that really it requires minimal professional intervention because that really is a big cost. That really is a big part of the cost of hearing devices is that you're really paying for our professional expertise and time. So uh, mild to moderate hearing loss is what these over-the-counter devices are targeted for. People have no idea what that means, though, do they? No. They, I mean, they really don't. And what you can think is subjectively for yourself, a mild hearing loss, maybe really be more of a moderate to moderate severe. 
So that's where, you know, we as professionals are kind of hesitant and want to warn patients that you don't want to just go pick up one of these things. Um, it may work for you, but you really should have that professional check. Absolutely. Um, and you, I think, you know, get that hearing test first, yeah. see where your hearing levels right. are. Um, and then at that point, I think you can make a more informed decision as a consumer. I see patients all the time who come in who are like, no, I'm not having any trouble. And they have a moderately severe to severe hearing loss. Um, and then I see those patients who have mostly normal hearing um, and they feel like they're having a lot of trouble. So, you know, it really is very individual to the person as well. So uh, the PSAPs, these things that are on the market now, are technically considered personal amplification devices. So they just raise all the frequencies, mm -hmm. all the sound levels up. What's, what's wrong with that? Well, there are going to be the extreme cases or there are situations where they will work, um, but very rarely. Um, you know, there are patients or we know patients who just for whatever reason can't wear a hearing aid. And we've had some in the past where we've suggested these PSAPs. But really, for most of our patients, it's not going to provide that um, specific prescription targeted formula that they need. So, uh, you know, you can just basically get your phone to turn up the sound, and that's a PSAP. Um, you put some headphones in it and listen to sounds through your iPhone. But that's not really giving you the care and the specific formula and prescription that you need. Um, they are also not going to PSAPs and over-the-counters. Um, Best Buy is not going to tell you what to do if you have a sudden loss in hearing or you're not going to have a resource if you notice ringing, they're not going to ask you those questions. And those are the things we do as professionals to find any red flags. Did you just lose your hearing? Um, do you have more hearing loss in one ear than the other? Best Buy is not going to tell you that or when you go over the counter right. CVS. Right. I also, when I think about PSAPs and just the overall volume up and down, if you think about most of the majority of hearing losses, they they may have mostly normal hearing in those low low pitches, low frequencies. When they get to those high frequencies, that's where they need more help. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you have this PSAP that's turning all of that up, they're going to really over amplify those low frequencies and probably not give them what they need for those high frequencies. And again, that may be why the critics are saying just because you don't have a PSAP that is working the way you want it to, don't let that sour you on what a professionally fitted and adjusted hearing aid can do. Right. And most patients who have nerve hearing loss often experience um, sounds getting really loud really quick. And um, they're very sensitive to loudness. So it's hearing aids have compression and features that we can activate and program to help address that. And a PSAP and possibly even some over-the-counter ones aren't going to have that professional knowledge um, and complete support that you need. And these things are just not going to be allowed for kids, period, right? The OTCs <sighs> not fitted for kids? Correct. Um, you know, the prescription for hearing loss for kids is very different than the prescription for adults. Um, and so I would be really concerned to see my pediatric patients um, get these over-the-counter hearing aids because it's not going to make sure that speech is audible. I think the second aspect that I, I'm, the biggest aspect that I'm concerned about with over-the-counter devices is if you look at the FDA rulings and their thoughts of what, what the rules are going to be, their output limiting, which is kind of the loudest sounds that they will amplify, it's, it's loud and to the point where consumers can, can really harm their hearing and make their hearing worse if they're at that point and listening to that level at a, at a long mm -hmm. period of time.
The technology associated with these hearing devices is, has really come so far. And now artificial intelligence is being built into not the OTC ones, but the devices that you provide. Tell me about what artificial intelligence is doing, how it's worked its way in. So for um, several of the companies that are really in, uh, manufacturers they're working is, how can we help the hearing aid, really make the hearing aid a brain, and essentially, to distinguish what sounds are. So it's, um, you know, our brains are trained to figure out, well, we got three pictures of a dog, we know that the cat's different. That's what these hearing aids are basically being trained to do, to distinguish what those sounds are. Um, one product we've been recently featuring is something called Whisper, Whisper AI, and what it's using is that artificial intelligence. Um, it actually has a brain, literally, and it is a little box that you hold, It's but it's very easy to use. But the idea is that the processing is so much that they said you can wear the hearing aids yourself, but when you have this brain you're carrying around with, it's doing the majority of the processing. So if that's something you know a patient would be interested in learning about, they can call our office and schedule a consult. Um, and just like any of our consults, we're going to go over that. We're going to go over all the options and give them what everything entails and, and really, you know, dive into what their listening needs are. Mm -hmm. More important than ever, you know, all of it. Well, I guess I'm speaking for myself. You know, I'm, I'm one of those baby boomers in the peak of the baby boom years, just getting old enough that I really need to start paying attention to that kind of stuff. Because hearing loss is one of those things that just sneaks up on you. And you've told me before, it's often not the patient who recognizes the problem. It's the family member. It's the loved one who says, you're not hearing me. You need to do something about this. And it is, um, in general, about five to seven years before somebody actually does something with their hearing loss. Like if they've noticed it, it takes them five to seven years to actually move forward. So, you know, I think Allison made a good point. If some people can take advantage of these over-the-counters, if they've got just a little hesitation, then maybe they'll try that. And it is in, the, in what the FDA and what the government wants to do is they wanted to help patients get these access. Mm -hmm. But just like our government takes a little while, we've been talking about this for about five years now, and they're still not done. So, you know, I think that just speaks to the amount that there isn't, this shouldn't be treaded lightly. Um, and that's good that they are taking their time. Um, I think it's gotten lost in COVID and a little bit and such, yeah. but they're working on it. So, you know, but it's just a matter of it's not going to follow everybody. And um, the other thing is just uh, making sure that you're taking care of your senses. Um, we've, we're going to talk about that later about COVID, but... You know, you wouldn't leave your eyesight, I think, over the counter. You do for a while. You have readers, but eventually you have to go see a doctor. Great analogy there. Yeah, you just mentioned COVID. We've got to take a break. When we come back, there is a COVID connection to hearing, and that is some people are suffering just a sudden hearing loss because of a COVID infection. Others are suffering tinnitus and other problems. So we're going to find out what these ladies have seen in the practice at uh, the Hearing Center. We're back with doctors of audiology, Emily Beal and Allison Chorgin, in just a moment on the Health Call Live Radio Hour on WoWo. Welcome back to Health Call Live. If you've got a question, you don't have to give blood to get the answer. Just call us at 447-1190. And we are talking this half hour with doctors of audiology, Allison Shorjan and M Emily Beal. Just recently went through a name change with marriage. Thank Congratulations. You. Thanks. And uh, they are from the Hearing Center. They have locations all over Northeast Indiana, also in Ohio. Shifting the conversation now to COVID because it's affecting hearing. I've been reading about sudden hearing loss mm -hmm. and an onset of tinnitus associated with COVID. Have you seen that in the practice? 
Yep. We have, um, you know, I think we're seeing a lot of cases of a sudden hearing losses, and they come in, and, of course, with many... I would say with a majority of sudden hearing losses, we don't know what caused it, but very likely it could be a virus. So COVID is a, you know, tends to be that virus these days. Um, and so we've seen that. We've seen decreases in hearing, people just not feeling like they're hearing as well, muffled, extra ringing. I would say even their ability to process what they're hearing yeah. as well. You know, you hear mm -hmm. a lot about brain fog, and I mm -hmm. think that probably just attributes to that um, ability to process sound. I remember when we first closed down for COVID, um, essentially the whole practice closed down, except we had kind of one ENT and one audiologist for sudden emergencies. Um, and I was shocked, really, at the number of sudden hearing losses that we as audiologists saw during those first couple weeks when mm -hmm. things were shut down. And often the patient, and it's, it was tricky because they were complaining of sudden hearing loss, but they were testing positive for COVID, which we really didn't want them in our office, sure. which <laughs> tends to delay that treatment then. Wow. So is it one year, both years? I think we've seen both. Yeah. Um, it can be the gamut. I have heard one year, I've heard both years. Um, I also recently actually fit hearing devices on a patient where um, she came in and said, you know, I wasn't having any trouble hearing and now I can't hear anything. Um, and it was a pretty significant hearing loss, hmm. but we had no baseline to really know, was it truly that her hearing changed or was it that her hearing really stayed the same, but her ability to process what she was hearing became worse and so she wasn't able to accommodate for for her hearing loss. And on top of that, the same person's probably having to deal with all the friends and family wearing masks. So that put another oh, yeah. gamut. So you're struggling with your hearing, you're not feeling good, and then people are putting a mask on. It makes communication a little bit more challenging. You know, masks do cause a little bit of muffling, uh, don't they? Yeah, just it's, a it's, little it's, bit. It's a little um, annoying. Too so, much to the point that uh, one of our hearing aids we work with actually is pretty cool. They have an app and they have a mask mode. So that's how much masks have affected our society. I think that's really interesting. You can be on talking to somebody, you know, and I say an app, an application on the phone. You know, you put a mask on or in a situation is just challenging. Put the little, you actually touch a little icon with a mask and things get better. Wow. Yeah, I would say most of the manufacturers now have some sort yeah. of mask program mm -hmm. because they, are, they have been shown to affect yeah. speech integrity and speech quality, particularly oh. in the high frequencies, mm -hmm. which is where most people ironically already have hearing loss. <laughs> sure. Most people, but yeah. most people who have hearing loss are having hearing loss in those mm -hmm. high frequencies. Does it, does it tend to, is it temporary? Is it permanent? Do we know yet? With COVID and sudden hearing loss, you know, I think it can be both. Um, so the tricky thing I think about sudden hearing loss is, you know, somebody comes in saying, I can't hear out of my right ear. Um, we do the hearing test and, you know, they might have no hearing in that ear. We don't know, is that hearing going to resolve? Will it resolve on its own? Will it resolve with treatment? So usually the ENT physicians, their course of treatment is they're going to kind of stay ahead of it. And typically it's a steroid type treatment, either injected into the middle ear space or um, kind of an oral steroid pill, uh, what have you. Sometimes in we're always hopeful they come back and their hearing resolves to mostly normal. I actually just saw um, a patient this week where they had a sudden hearing loss in one ear um, and the patient was reporting that the hearing was better. And sure enough, they came back and the hearing did improve. Um, what the tricky part is, is if it doesn't improve, you know, I can think of one of my patients who had a sudden hearing loss and 
you know, we fit him, we ended up fitting him with a type of device uh, that kind of, it's called a bicross, where uh, essentially we're hearing aid in one ear and microphone in the other because that ear can't process things. Um, and so we fit him with a bicross hearing aid, but his big, so he's hearing better, but his biggest complaint is in that sudden hearing loss ear. His tinnitus is so bad and there's nothing that we can do to help that. And I think that's really where more most most patients are more bothered by the tinnitus than the decreased hearing. And I think, you know, some of your questions, they're just now really doing small studies. Um, I know of one, I mean, but it was only 10 people. And I think they were talking about, you know, they do feel it affected it. Um, but again, it's such a small population number, we're not gonna know. But if you think how much it's affecting senses of taste and smell, it's no wonder. Yeah. Um, another reason people, uh, they were also saying because it's a respiratory thing, it could possibly, people are saying, well, how does it get in my ears? Um, it can be coming up from the eustachian tube, which goes from the back of our neck up or back of our throat up into the ears. So it's that pathway. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. So, and I've read that uh, there can be a delayed response. So you've recovered from COVID and then weeks later, you suffer this hearing loss and yeah, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. COVID's just been such a mess all the way around for all of us. So if I think I have hearing loss, I'm just curious, Is there should you have, even if you don't think you have a hearing loss, should you have a hearing test? You absolutely should have a hearing test. You should have a baseline to at least know where your hearing levels are. Nobody thinks twice about getting their vision screened um, to see where their vision is, um, to monitor uh, progression of vision loss. But for whatever reason, there's the stigma attached to having your hearing evaluated, have your hearing tested to see where you're at. Not only is it important to know hearing-wise where you're at, but if there comes a point where you feel like you've had a sudden hearing loss or a sudden change of hearing, it's always good to have a baseline to know, oh yeah, we did see a sudden hearing loss versus it's really just something you're perceiving, your hearing really hasn't changed. And another thing that's important is if you do feel like you had a sudden hearing loss, COVID or non-COVID, doesn't have to be that way, that you call into our office. Um, we will, our best effort to get you in, that's something that I think a lot of people ignore. Uh, maybe go see their family doctor and don't really stress that. They say, oh, it just feels muffled. Um, sometimes those, maybe they think it's an air infection, they just let it go. So better to be safe because as Allison already said, the earlier we can identify those losses and the doctors or physicians can treat that, generally the better outcomes. Yeah. Um, Sudden hearing loss is a medical emergency. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it really is something that you need to get in within a couple of days versus waiting a couple of weeks yeah. or a couple of months because yeah, at that point- too late to do anything. You're just too late. Uh, yeah, that's a shame. Uh, so what's, uh, an appointment is all I need? Is it, what's the cost for a hearing test? That's the million dollar question. And we just actually had this conversation this week that patients always want to know how much is a hearing test? Uh, most insurances will cover the cost of a hearing test. So it really depends on what your insurance covers and what your deductible is and all of those factors. Um, but from that standpoint, you know, a hearing test varies also what we do from patient to patient, which is why it's hard to give a concrete answer mm -hmm. of how much a hearing test is. I would say, if you're self-paying that hearing test, I don't even know it all, right offhand, $100. Yeah, I was gonna say about 120, maybe something in there. If you're self-paying. But yeah, and that's where but most insurances cover, well, at least Medicare usually covers one a year, with so. A, with, a, with an order from a physician. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. 
Okay, that's great. We have to leave it there because we're out of time. I'll let you know they called me out and said, have you had your hearing tested? You should have a baseline. So we do. I'll be reaching out. We'll get that done. I'll come and have an appointment and report the results right here in our future episode. Okay, so that is Emily Bondas, excuse me, Emily Beal and Allison Shorjan, Doctors of Audiology from the Hearing Center. You can find them online at enthearingcenter.com with locations all over Northeast Indiana, also in Bryan, Ohio and Van Wert, Ohio. Ladies, thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Happy New Year. On the other side of the half hour, we are about sleep and how it affects your health. Podcasts by Federated Media.